Hello and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. He had three ships and left from Spain. He sailed through sunshine, wind and rain. If, like me, you attended primary school in the 1960s or 70s, you probably had to learn to recite that poem in 1492 in its entirety. More to the point, teachers taught it back then with no compunction whatsoever about the cultural annihilation and plunder it memorializes. Yet, growing up where he landed, we recited it with national pride, which now seems imperiously indoctrinated, to the point of being cruel and inhumane. Put in a more relatable context, imagine the manifest cruelty of black school children in South Africa today being taught to recite a poem, hailing Cecil Rhodes for colonizing them, namely one that lyrically whitewashes all Rhodes and other white men did to win dominion over them. Of course, we now know what a terrible navigator this infamous seafarer was. After all, Christopher Columbus first set sail for India in the east, but ended up landing in the Bahamas on what was then the far side of the planet in the west. And yes, if yours is a Eurocentric view of history, the Vikings preceded him. But I shall leave it to others, with far greater academic and jingoistic interest, to explain why their European or Asian explorer, and not Columbus, was the first to land in the Americas. Alas, we also know that, despite this historic blunder, prevailing European imperiousness misled him to name the natives he met, oh, oh, right, discovered there. Indians, and the rest, as we say, is his story. <laughs> well, that is, until recently, when eminent historians like William Fowler began correcting the record to reflect European landings in the New World more as invasions than discoveries. Indeed, an entry from Columbus's own journal betrays what he intended from the outset. It reads as follows. They would make fine servants. With fifty men, we could subjugate them all and make them do whatever we want. End quote. Sure enough, that's exactly what he and his men did 
to the hospitable and unsuspecting Tainos who greeted them. This is just one of the many reasons historians are finally casting a critical, if not accusatory, eye at the hagiography his voyages have enjoyed throughout history. Here, for example, is how Howard Zinn frames this corrected version of history in A People's History of the United States, 1492 to the Present. Uh, to emphasize the heroism of Columbus and his successors as navigators and discoverers, and to de-emphasize their genocide, is not a technical necessity but an ideological choice. It serves, unwittingly, to justify what was done. The easy acceptance of atrocities as a deplorable but necessary price to pay for progress, that is still with us. End quote. Of course, Americans have been celebrating Columbus Day for centuries. Never mind that Congress did not declare the second Monday in October, a federal holiday in honor of this genocidal Italian, until 1971. Countries throughout the Americas soon followed suit, but many in the Caribbean now designate this holiday National Heroes Day, reflecting the cognitive dissonance scholars like Zinn are informing. Still, it is perhaps far more interesting to note that even his namesake, Columbus, Ohio, is among cities in the United States that are disclaiming him too. This bypassing resolutions to celebrate Indigenous People's Day instead of Columbus Day. So here's to a future where the holiday we mark tomorrow is more about the Indigenous people who actually inhabited the so-called New World than about the seafaring adventurer who stumbled upon it. That's it. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for thought-provoking commentaries, often laced with humor, I invite you to visit my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.